Charlie. Mark, one Charlie. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. And we're still seeing it quite well through that haze. About the future innovations and growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another wonderful episode of Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Ryan Treasure, and man, do we have a bang-up show for you guys to check out today. You know, we're always trying to talk about uh, important things that matter to our listening audience, that matter to community, and you know, what better way to uh, to usher that in and have an episode where we can talk about so many different topics with one person, it's going to be great. Um Today's guest is Karen Eldad. She is Coach Karen. She's a trusted advisor uh, to industry-leading executives and superstar entrepreneurs who are setting records at the tops of their fields. Oh, she, I, the laundry list of companies that she's worked with is 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 huge. Uh, she's an executive trainer and been coaching folks for a little while and has developed a measurably impactful and streamlined executive coaching process uh, while working with those fantastic organizations. So, Karen, welcome to the show. So, you know, I want to, uh, first of all, just kind of take a step back and allow you the opportunity to kind of tell us about Karen and how you found your frequency in life and in business and, and what made you decide to, um, you know, to jump out there and become a coach and start training people, number one, uh, and then also turn around and talk a little bit about um, what you do on the counseling side and how you help folks uh, find their frequency uh, in, in, in a particular manner. So tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, and where you found your frequency. And, and, and what you're doing. Sure, with enormous pleasure. You know, Ryan, my story is not different from the story of many, many people around the globe today. I reinvented my whole career and, in fact, my life in my late 30s and, well, around the age of 40. And uh, that's kind of an interesting thing, right? Because generally speaking, especially my generation, was taught that you'll have a career and it will last forever. And that, of course, has gone the way of the dodo bird. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, they told me the same thing about marriage too, by the way. So it was around uh, 35, I remember waking up uh, really on one just particular day. I know that nothing happened suddenly, but through the accumulation of forces in my life, I'd always been an overachiever. I did everything right. I went to the right schools. I married the tall guy. Everybody knows that that's kind of a standard, right? And um, essentially was living by the book and woke up realizing one day that I was just enormously dissatisfied to say the least. It really just wasn't ringing my bells. I wasn't excited to do anything. I was just good at a lot of stuff. That was pretty much it. And I applied that skill to wherever it would produce money and the right results according to society. And that's when the system started to collapse. I mean, from that to that moment, I remember, was the beginning of the divorce, was the beginning of the walking away from corporate life, was the beginning of a reinvention. And those processes are, for almost anyone I've seen go through that, not easy. They're rather painful. In my case, I had to couch surf and I had to lose a, I mean, it turns out that when you quit your job, <laughs> you have to figure out how to make money. And uh, that didn't happen overnight, but through that transformation and through the shedding of all those walls, I rediscovered 
who I am and what I really, really wanted to do and found my frequency. And it turns out that that frequency was teaching people and teaching people to do exactly what I did, to go from blind overachievement to overachievement with deliberate intention, to finding your voice and your purpose and clarity around what you want to do in this life. And that's how I found coaching. And then, by the way, after that, executive coaching. Here we are. Oh, that's awesome. You know, uh, I have kind of a similar story like that for myself. I'm, I'm an extreme overachiever. And I just finally had, to, I finally told myself, you know, it's not always about money. It's not always about, you know, what car you drive and, you know, all that. As much as, you know, I like to drive a nice car. Um, and then I decided I don't even want a car. I want a truck. Right. And, uh, and and I live in Phoenix. So that's kind of like status quo here in Arizona and like Texas. Everybody has a truck. Um, but that that's it fits me. It fits my mold. And yeah, and I, I think you, you really hit the nail on the head when you talk about you know, kind of just following the 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 steps or following the uh, things that you think are supposed to be the way that they are because that's what you have seen other people do for so long and it's kind of how society has programmed people to, you know, follow that way and kudos to you for jumping out. I mean, that's amazing. That's, you know, I think that that's a tough thing to do and one, one thing in our promo, it says, uh, you know, uh, summoning the intestinal fortitude, you know, right, to try something to step out of your comfort zone and you know like you said when you when you got a couch surf and you got to figure out another way to make money boom you just became an entrepreneur right started your own business in coaching you found your own voice you found your frequency uh, and that allowed you to to move into some other areas of 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 service for people which has been amazing right absolutely plus through your example because you know what it's like you can help other people for real, not in theory. Right. Yeah. That's like uh, trying to get medical advice from somebody who hasn't, you know, had said to illness or whatever it is. If you've never had a cold, please don't try and tell me how to treat my cold. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, there's a lot to be said for expertise. But, you know, I was just reading a book by Jeff Hayden. It's called The Motivation Myth or The Myth of Motivation, something like that. Jeff Hayden, for those who don't know, is the apparently one of the top leading personalities that are followed on LinkedIn. And he writes for Inc. And, and publications like that. And he at one point attacked Tony Robbins and said that uh, if you're not uh, a business leader, if you haven't actually thrived as a corporate leader, you're, you have no business teaching them how to lead. And I thought, well, he's worth $500 million at last estimate. And he's been running his own companies for about 40 years. I think Tony Robbins has a few things to impart here. So. It's always important to ask yourself, what exactly are you asking for in terms of expertise? A doctor, by that token, even if he hasn't had um, the conditions he's treating, hopefully has had many, many years of seeing the same thing again and again and again, and is able to apply that. You know, it's funny that you talk about Tony Robbins and, you know, A, I'm gonna say, I partially agree with your statement. Yeah, the dude's worth a boatload of money. Five years ago, he was gonna go bankrupt his whole entire business operation was going to go to bankrupt because he was mismanaging some certain elements of that. And there was a group that stepped in um, and saved his business and helped him to, to get there. So, and, and I think, I think this, this uh, piggybacks on kind of what you do, right? I mean, you're a, you're a, you're a corporate trainer. Um, so that's the part of what Tony Robbins, I feel is kind of even more impressive is he recognized that he wasn't able to take his company in the direction that he wanted it to go. It wasn't going exactly smooth 
the, the way that he felt that needed to be. And so he found somebody who had been there, done that, who had created the tracks and the, you know, the self-help components for other uh, people and other businesses before and brought in somebody who was an expert in that area to help and make sure that all of the hard work and effort that he had been putting into his businesses over time wasn't wasted. Um, and so I definitely give him kudos on that. And I'll take business advice from Tony Robbins any day. <laughs> it was just an example. You know, I didn't actually know that story, Ryan, but it still resonates really well because it just shows that that mindset that bounces back, bounces back. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think it also is an important point too that it it, it reminds everybody that even people at that that level right everybody we're all human you, you know what I mean we're all just trying to you know wiggle our way through society and figure out you know how we can be remembered and you know be seen and heard and all of those things and I think that's you know kind of the space for everybody and when you've spent 30 years of your life or 20 years of your life or 10 years of your life or whatever it is working towards a common goal you know you want to leave that legacy behind you know and I, I think that's important Totally agree. I completely agree. But you also have to have that vulnerability, right? Like you're saying something extraordinarily important that all superstars can benefit from, which is I don't care who you are, you will fail. And you will do <laughs> a lot of tribulations and trials. When my clients say to me, oh, surely you never mess up. I look at them and go, seriously, do you think that I died? I mean, <laughs> of course I mess up. I'm not saying I mess up all the time, but of course I do. Everybody does. We're human beings. Well, and I think... I think that that's also part of, uh, of of what it means to be a leader too. I mean, leadership is the ability to recognize maybe that you did make a wrong decision, but being able to come out and say, I made a bad decision, I made a mistake, you know, and owning up to that and being able to do that, I think is, is, is true leadership because you're literally leading by example. You're letting people know I am vulnerable. I did make a mistake. You know what? And then we're going to sit down and we're going to do my favorite thing in the world, which is called an after action report. And we're going to go figure out what we did, why we did that, how we can do it better next time and all of those fun things. So we can use that as a moment of learning uh, and, and a moment to, uh, you know, just address that so it doesn't happen in the future. So, I mean, that that that's what leadership needs to be. That is what leadership needs to be. Sadly, it is so only intellectual. And most leaders believe that they are like that, but they're not. Yeah, it's I, I wholeheartedly believe in the idea and concept of leading by example. Um, just a, a quick funny story, right? When I was a teenager, uh, I worked at Arby's, uh, right, the sandwich place. And uh, I was closing one night and somebody had called off. And so the, the, the store manager happened to be there to close because you had to have two people to close the store. Uh, and so the store manager was there and the store manager was basically not doing anything, right? He's like, oh, I'm the manager, you know, Ryan's gonna do all this work. Well, you know, I had to go clean the bathrooms and do all this other stuff. And, you know, I had mentioned to him, you know, like, hey, if, if, if you can help me with a couple of these items, we can be out of here a little bit earlier. It'll reduce your, you know, your labor overhead and all that kind of stuff. I approached him in a manner where like, I know he is the leader of the organization and he really cares about profit, right? And so that was where I came from. I came from the space of, hey, if you help me a little bit, you'll make more profit because you want to continue paying me to stay here to do this work. And so I asked him, I said, you know, I'm gonna clean the fryers right now. Can you go clean the bathrooms while I clean the fryers? Or will you clean the fryers and I'll go clean the bathroom? I don't care which direction. And his response to me is, I don't clean bathrooms and I don't clean fryers. And you know what my reaction was at that point at 15 years old? 
I took my name tag off of my shirt. I took my shirt off. I had no shirt on inside the store. I set it on the counter and I said, well, have fun closing the store by yourself because if you're not willing to do what you're asking me to do, I'm not working for you. Bye. That's a breathtaking story. More, more people need to take, you know, I think that level of, uh, of, of action at times in order to enlighten individuals on, uh, you know, the, the, the proper way of providing leadership. Uh, and I think that's probably why I ended up in the Navy because I'm like, all right, well, we're going to go figure this all out. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. Well, I mean, I'm Israeli, so we have to go to the army. We didn't have a choice, but uh, I wish the United States would do that. Uh, oh my goodness. I couldn't one year, one year. Service. <laughs> national service. It teaches you humility. It teaches you respect. It teaches everybody all the fundamental things. What you're describing, actually, I think is a very, very nice uh, millennial trend that I'm seeing. As in, a lot of them already have naturally imbued in them that uh, chutzpah, that, you know what? If you're not going to lead by example, I'm not doing what you're asking me to do. Yeah, why am I going to follow you blindly if you're not able to, you know, even, uh, even, even, even come to the table with the same work ethic that I have or with the same knowledge base or skill or however you want to look at it, right? It's all, it's all whatever your skill is in the new knowledge economy of today, right? <laughs> but I was taught something very different. Um, my first job, if you will, my first internship while I was at school was with Elle magazine. Do you remember when fashion magazines were a very important thing? Oh, yes. Anyway, uh, that was my first internship, and I remember the editor-in-chief then, who was a very haughty British woman, uh, welcoming me and on the first day saying, all right, so please get me my toast and my tea, and that's your job every day. And I remember thinking, I have a master's, I mean, I had a master's degree from the London School of Economics. I was not. <laughs> regular intern okay right but I I remember not even questioning that I, I remember okay that's how it goes and you know I believe that that's also that subservience that I should be pleased to do the right thing and to be at the right place with the right people kind of gets you to agree to a lot of things in life that end you up in where I was which was um, 36 years old thinking what the hell have I done with my life yeah, no, you're you're a hundred percent. I've been in radio my entire adult career. As soon as I got out of the Navy, um, I answered an ad in the newspaper to work at a terrestrial AM station here in Phoenix, and you know that was kind of like my entry into the radio world. And uh, I, I decided, okay, well, I'm, I need some schooling, right? And I had my GI Bill and all that fun stuff. So I'm like, all right, we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go to the Academy of Radio and Television Broadcasting. I'm gonna go learn all that fun stuff. Um, at the same time, I'm gonna try to go get a part time job at a radio station while I'm going to school. So I, I answered the ad and I get in there, and all they wanted me to do was answer the telephone, right? And I'm going, I'm going to school, man. Like I want to push all the buttons and do all that stuff, you know? And they're like, no, no, you're gonna answer the telephone. And you can go get coffee whenever the producers ask for coffee and, you know, that type of thing. And, you know, it, it, it was a shock for me only because I had just come from the military as well. And I first thing that went through my head is, man, you guys are really unorganized. 
<laughs> right? And then the second thing I go, well, you know, if I ever want to make it to a different space, I'm going to need to be humble. And even though I'm much more qualified than getting coffee and answering the telephones, I still did answer the telephones and go get the coffee because there is a component of working and having a relationship, whether it's leadership or non-leadership that you kind of do have to, you know, you got to get your, you got to get your reps in, right? And, uh, and so we are, we're willing to do some of the remedial tasks that we don't feel we need to do because we need to be there at that time and that place around those people because that relationship, even though that relationship is currently coffee and donuts or whatever that is, um, that relationship is something that I'm going to need in the future. Well, Ryan, what you're talking about is the same thing. You're just talking about it from both ends of the leadership spectrum. Your, in, your humility in embracing that which needed to be done was exactly what your manager at Arby's should have done. Never lose sight of the fact that we are all in this together. Right. And that when somebody needs to roll up their sleeves, they need to roll up their sleeves. Now, I was describing a situation where I was put in my place and I got tea for somebody who was my superior, but I understand that. Mm -hmm. I do understand that that's part of the oiled machine as well. Uh, my hope is that today's superstar uh, transcends that and starts to do actual things that are meaningful and participate as part of the team and at the same time is not good and too good to not do the work. Mm, yeah, no, I, and, I, and, I, and I appreciate that. I have an intern for finding your frequency, right? And um, I have never once asked him to go get coffee because I can go get my own coffee. What I really need help with is the radio show, right? I need help booking guests and keeping their stuff straight and those types of things. And so, you know, Harry's, uh, Harry goes back to school tomorrow. He's a college student. And so um, he'll have a little reduced hours, but he's still going to be working for the show. But I mean, the, the value that he brings as a young, as a young man to our organization, just for these small. And to me, they're, to me, they're, um, they're things that, it allows me the opportunity to stay in my wheelhouse and do these types of things like talk to people, right? Though That's what I do. I, I'm, a, I'm a talker. My mom has always told me, Ryan, you got the gift of gab. And so um, one, one of my favorite things is just talking with people. Well, if I have to sit behind my computer all the time and send emails and do all the different stuff to keep the show prepared, then I'm not talking. Um, and so... But then again, I'm also not asking Harry to go get coffee, right? He's providing real value um, as a young person, as a, um, you know, just coming in the door here at World Talk Radio. And so I think that's really what people need to get to. Um, you know, like if I want coffee, I can go. There's a Keurig machine like right around the corner. You know what I mean? And if you're too lazy to get up off your butt and go get your own coffee, you probably have much bigger problems to deal with than getting that coffee in the first place. I completely agree with you. And I hope that there are more leaders like you out there. Well, thank you very much. And like you as well. You know, I want to I want to shift gears a little bit, right? Leadership is extremely important. But um, one of the things in your bio that I thought was really cool was, um, you know, some of the things that you do for um, uh, for for the uh, text hotline for people. And I want to I want to highlight that because um you're over here teaching people and executives at an extremely high level, but what you're doing on the other side by helping people even increases your chutzpah in the space of you being a leader, right? Because it's not just, hey, I'm gonna be a leader, I'm gonna show you you know, how you can make money at an executive level, but I'm also gonna turn around and apply that leadership to community, right? And to, to people, to help. Um, and, and 
far too many times that people just, you know, go and work their job and do all of those things. And they kind of forget about, uh, well, what about my community? What about the needs here? Um, and, and so tell us a little bit about that. Well, you're right. I teach happiness. I know that that sounds ephemeral and it sounds woo-woo and to a lot of the corporates, I have to disguise it in lots of different terms. But the truth is I teach you how to get happy. And the only way to go from just high performance without happiness, because they are conversely um, related, as in if you become very, very committed or even obsessed with becoming high performance, you're going to become hyperdrived overachiever, which means that you'll be addicted to working, which will conversely affect your happiness. But instead, I'm trying to teach you how to be very high performance, but also learn how to master compassion, empathy, and service. Because if you marry those and you apply that focus there, you will find happiness. You'll find incredible meaning in your life. So I live by that. And so I volunteer. I've volunteered for years with an organization called Crisis Text Line. We are the leading suicide hotline in the country. And we're actually becoming the biggest in the world. We're spreading to several countries this year. We just launched in Britain last month. And um, that has given me the opportunity to practice what I teach and to really make an impact on the community in an arena that I know is very, very helpful to the, I mean, there are 45,000 suicides in the United States a year. Mental health is certainly a crisis, if not an issue. And the most important part of that for me, Ryan, is that I can then take that and apply it to leadership coaching. Because believe it or not, they have mental health issues too. In fact, uh, according to pretty much any study that you'll find, they're twice as likely to have suicidal thoughts, anxiety attacks, and mental health disorders of any sort. So to have those practical skills that you can then kind of sneak in if you need to yeah. is very useful to me. Yeah, well, I'm going to take just a moment while we're talking about this and just throw a promo out there for our listeners. Don't forget, guys, on September 7th, uh, Voice America is partnering with the Full Color Movement. Uh, we'll be out at the shelter on 7th Street, downtown Phoenix. We'll be feeding the homeless. We're going to be giving away backpacks and water bottles and Gatorade. And uh, we're going to bring the dance troupe out there and try to make it a fun and exciting time for uh, those homeless folks as we uh, uh, get out there and help them. So please, if you guys get the opportunity, send information over to info at Voice America. America.com. If you have any donations or anything that you'd like to provide, you know, we're, we're still looking for, you know, things like uh, backpacks and shirts and all different sizes and all that kind of stuff. So uh, if you're listening to this, just know September 7th, we'll be out there in downtown Phoenix doing that. And we'd love uh, any other donations that you want to send uh, our direction. And you can find out more by visiting uh, the full color movement.com. And of course, you can email us info at voiceamerica.com. Sorry, I had to use that to, to throw in our promo for uh, for what Voice America is doing here. And I'll our local community partnering with some of our radio show hosts and we're all coming together as a as a group uh, to go and feed the homeless and you know pass those things out so it's a, an, an exciting time and uh, something we did last month as well uh, but we weren't on site last month we were just we just donated stuff um, so this time we have about 15 of our employees all going out there as well uh, so it's going to be a great time so September 7th 2 p.m. Karen right those types of things are probably some of the most important work that you and I are going to do in our lifetime, you know, is being able to spend time helping other people that necessarily wouldn't have 
another option, right? Where you're helping people with uh, crisis and text and, you know, talking them off the ledge for lack of a better term, you know, um, you know, those things are helping people and helping society become better. And, you know, that, that, that's very good. And I think a lot of people need to, you know, take a step back and, and, and it's not always about being hyper performing. It's not always about, you know, the, those dollars and those cents and all of that. And you do become addicted to, um, success when you start to accomplish it and you start to get there and you do lose sight of important components like your family sometimes, right. Or, or being able to have time carved out to go and do some of the give back things like I was just talking about. But I think all of those things are a key and a key ingredient to being happy. Like if you, if you don't have a few different things that you're doing outside of your like nine to five, then how can you truly be happy if that's all you do? Well, that's completely true. There are so, there's so much to pick apart there, but I wanna ask you first, how does it make you feel to help the homeless? Um, it, it helps me feel good. So I live in Phoenix. It's 113 degrees outside right now, right? If I can give a homeless person who can, who has to stay outside a bottle of water to help them cool off, you know, just for simple human fact that it's 113 degrees outside, you know, that makes me feel good that I'm able to, to help somebody get something that they weren't necessarily able to obtain before. So it's not really just about the humanitarian action, it's about you feeling good. We're talking about finding your frequency and I found my frequency in life. I raised my frequency in life by giving to other people. There is nothing that feels better to us. In fact, epigenetics have proven this and so has neuroscience. The only measurable effect like rising- Thank you, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Absolutely, (laughs) even change your genetic code in some cases is the feeling of compassion. It's, a, it's just a general razor of your frequency. I also teach it to the superstars because you gotta, you gotta feed it to them by saying, here's what's in it for you. What's <laughs> in it for you is, it's first of all gonna elevate your frequency and actually have you performing at a much, much higher level. But even if it doesn't do that, let's say that a lot of your life and a lot of your success has led to the many trappings of success. For example, your relationships just don't feel so good because you're not invested in them or you have this mental arrogance, you think that you know everything, which doesn't feel good to anyone. You have an invulnerable stance. We talked about how leaders can create this state where they're just not creating trust around them, right? The first thing that going outside that and helping other people in absolutely any capacity, mentoring, doing somebody a favor, helping the homeless, can do for you is it gets you out of your own head. And something that gets you out of your own head gives you perspective, and gives you a chance to distance yourself for just a tiny second from the negative feelings. And that's that's in itself good. Yeah, no, you're, you're definitely right. You you have to be able to, um, you know, I, I did a show about this uh, maybe a couple of months ago, but you know, you have to be able to set some type of a boundary within yourself and, 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 and make a decision that, okay, you know, today uh, my work is gonna be done at 6 p.m., right? I love my customers, I love everybody I work with, I love the people that we interview, but you know what, at 6 p.m. I am done with my job and I am devoted to specifically my family from that time until I wake up at five o'clock the next morning. And it took me, it took me a year of reminding myself that every day, right, to change my hyper, 
desire to be successful and to go, you know what? You just have to have boundaries. That's just what it is. When you walk out the door, just listen to some music. Uh, you know, um, I, I do radio all the time. So I found myself listening even to talk radio and podcasts in the car on my way home. That's not removing myself from that area and allowing me to go somewhere else in my head. I'm so I, I was perpetually stuck in a cycle of constant radio all the time. And that wasn't healthy at all. Yeah. And think about it. I, the number one reason most people come to coaching, but just so you know, is time management. They are overwhelmed. To be more specific, they're overwhelmed. They're just not getting it done. There aren't enough hours in the day. They don't feel any balance. They say things to me like, I'm so busy, I don't have any time for yoga. It feels to them like life is coming at them. And you know, the only way out of this is to take a step back and do what you did and say, from now on, I am living within these parameters. Yeah. Because otherwise, guess what? Especially since we live with our phones, it'll just keep coming at you. If you don't, if you yeah, if you don't say stop, it will it will not stop. You're you're a hundred percent correct. And you know what I did too, as I said, I, w- I was in the same boat. I didn't ask for coaching. I was like, I'm too busy. I need to hire another person. <laughs> you know, and so that's what we did. We hired another person. Um, I offloaded some duties to them, and uh, now I, I do this more, right? And this is this is where this this is where you know my happy space is. is you know, having these conversations with people like Karen and 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 having life conversations about how how can we as human beings, as people that are all on this earth together, all trying to pull our own weight and do our own thing. How do we make it better? I had a five year old daughter. How do I make this better for her when she's my age? How can I make sure that this is better? By learning that time is a mental construct. You know, the Dalai Lama said something hilarious. He said many, many hilarious things. He's an adorable person. But he said, if you don't have one hour to meditate a day, you should meditate for two hours. (laughs) I love that because it's so true. It is so perceptual. Anytime somebody says to me, I don't have time to go to yoga and I don't have time for coaching and I don't have time to hire another person, et cetera, et cetera. I think the only thing they don't have time for is to spend another second not understanding what their priorities are and what really matters to them in life. And when you do get very, very clear on who you are and what matters to you and what you really want to experience around here, you have very little time for anything else. Yeah, no, that's 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 a hundred percent, and and I think it's better that way, right? If you can find yourself in a manner where you can manage it that way, so you don't find yourself stuck, right? You you're always having somewhere to go. Hey, I set my parameter at six o'clock. I'm done doing this, so now I'm going to go move on to this, and I have a preset kind of, you know, plan. I I just finished reading a book called My Miracle Morning, right? And the Miracle yeah. Morning talks exactly about like setting aside that hour of you know, uh, and 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 maybe it's six things, maybe it's five things, whatever it is, but those things that you know that you want to do that you always tell yourself that you don't have time for right well wake up an hour earlier you know and so that's that's what you got to do i i have a bad back and i had to find time for yoga i had to do yoga right and so i have to do that i get up at five o'clock in the morning and i do 30 minutes of yoga before i do anything every day until one day your brain if you didn't if you hadn't done that one day your back would have just shut down on you correct Look, the superstar paradox is a term that I coined to just describe this situation that I see so many overachievers in where they've gotten all of the stuff that they were trained to get out and do and they're still miserable. And the reason they're miserable is simply because of that. It's because they have not tuned themselves to the frequency that actually matters to them. And once they do, they start moving in a completely different way and they start playing in a different universe. Yeah. And, you know, something I learned, too, about, you know, taking time, especially when you know, I was talking about my back, um, 
something that I also learned too, and I think some people don't maybe recognize this and maybe it's too philosophical for some people, but I know you'll, you'll appreciate this. Sometimes if you have a physical ailment, like, you know, I'll use my back as as an example. I've, I've since realized this is not my current issue, but I think it's something that people need to, to, to realize is sometimes a physical issue is caused by something mental, right? You may have, you know, you may have a shoulder injury or whatever it is. Your shoulder hurts all the time. Well, that's a lack of mobility. Maybe somewhere deep in your brain, you have an idea where you're not able to move forward with something which manifests itself in physical pain in a certain area. And I think a lot of people you know they 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 get all that stuff confused with you know uh, like I have a physical problem but have you taken a step back to just like mentally think about where you are in your space and what you're doing right now and is that truly where you want to go and what you want to do because if that's not what you're doing that could easily manifest itself in a physical form I completely agree with you there's a lot of research to back that up you just mentioned Dr. Joe Dispenza but I mean there are truly an enormous there's an enormous amount of research out there that backs that up now this is a very difficult person thing to say to somebody who is suffering from a chronic condition or from cancer etc etc but it's also a very empowering thing if you really think about it because if you created it or participated in inspiration then you can also participate in the undoing of it if and it's right. for people's consideration I, I there's no prescribing here of situations but i always believe that th- things don't happen to you, they happen for you. Simply because it's a kinder thing to think and a more empowering thing to think. And when you start looking at your life that way, um, yeah, you start understanding why people call colds, common colds, being run down. It's your body's way of saying, you have been running yourself ragged, take a break for a couple of days. I'm gonna shut you down. (laughs) Yeah, your body decided to shut it down. Yeah, you're right. You're out. And I don't think that's a particularly bad way of thinking of it. Yeah, no, and I don't either. I, I I just think that people get so caught up in the minutia of what they think that they're supposed to be doing based off of the society and the things that they see other people doing that they don't actually like think about what they are doing. They just go through the motions. They just do the actions. They're not really thinking about why they're doing what they're doing. And I think that's the, really one of the most important things, right? You're getting to the heart of it. And that's, by the way, how they create dis-ease from panic attacks to actual disease in the body. Because if you continue to live a life that you should live versus a life that you really want to live, to live you will naturally be working against yourself. And that's dissonance. And dissonance sets us into a bit of a frenzy physically. So I have a couple of tips if you'd like um, how anybody listening to this where if it's resonating with them, they can start to climb out of it. Yeah, no, please do. I'd love to do that. We're, we're about 34, 35 minutes into the interview. This is a great time. Let's give some tips and some tricks to people. Um, let's let them know where they can find you on the internet and all that fun stuff. With pleasure. Well, first I'm going to give you the tips and they're the first tips that I came up with to help me get out of that. Let's live life for everybody else's expectations and not for me. The first thing I did was I redefined what success actually meant to me by asking myself, what do I want? It was the first time I remember asking myself, what do you actually want in this life? Do you wanna have fun or do you wanna be a better slave? And I realized that I was associating success with working all the time and working incessantly because that's how I got my stuff. So basically by asking for more success in life, Ryan, all I was asking for was a bigger cage. More stuff. More stuff (laughs) that you don't really want. 
when I started to understand that the Holy Grail was just to feel good and to do stuff and to be brave enough to, to live according to my own happiness, I asked myself questions about what can I really do? What can I really give? What, what kind of guy do I actually want to be married to? Does he have to be tall? And so on. And that really started to change everything for me. Ask yourself what success really means to you and follow that. The second thing that I uh, recommend with all my heart is that people stop relying on self-esteem. Self-esteem, I say this as a mental health practitioner, is really detrimental to people's happiness because self-esteem depends on two things, what you've achieved or how you rank versus other people because of your achievements. Self-esteem is a construct. That's why I don't like the idea that you should teach it to people in high school. Instead. You need to start understanding that you are not what you achieve. You are not your status. You are worthy just because you're worthy. And unless you can really get to that fundamental understanding of yourself, you're not worth more or less because of what you've gotten on your resume. You're not gonna manage to line up happiness with anything that isn't conditional. And that's where superstars really mess up the most. They, they continue to associate their self-worth, their value with their job, their money, their spouse, etc. Yeah, no, that's a huge point. And um, as a father of a young, young girl, you know, my daughter, like I said earlier, she's five years old. You know, these are things that her and I have conversations about, like on the way to school all the time, you know, uh, and and I noticed I know this is kind of a weird story. I noticed that my daughter would like look at herself in the mirror all the time and um, which isn't really that big of a deal. But when I, I, I figured this other part out, she had gotten in trouble for something. And I said, you know what? If you're not going to listen, you need to go to your room and think about think about what you're supposed to be doing and making better decisions and then I'll come and talk to you about it. I wanted to give her a few moments to kind of just go in, go into her room and have her have her kind of work through her own emotions without me coming in and asking her and telling her anything, right? And then I walk in her room and I notice she's literally staring at herself in the mirror crying. And I'm like, this cannot be healthy to just sit in the mirror and cry, right? Because literally you're just perpetuating that you're not good enough for and and you're crying and it's like got to be bad for your psyche so i immediately took the mirror out of the red out of the bedroom was the first thing that i did and then we started having these conversations uh this has been a couple of weeks now well now every time we walk past a mirror i ask marley to turn and look in the mirror and tell yourself who you are and how awesome you are right and the change in <clears throat> You know, you say self-esteem, the change in her um, in her ability to love herself has changed so immensely by just her telling herself that it's OK for her to be her and that you are awesome just because you are awesome, not because you're awesome because you have good grades. You're awesome because you have cool hair. You're awesome because you have a Jojo bow or whatever it is. Right. You're cool because you're cool. Cool because you're cool. This is so wonderful. And what you're trying to teach her is the, the way to course correct the reliance on self-esteem. The way to course correct is to drop perfectionism and stop beating yourself up. Yeah. Uh, that little girl may have been doing, we don't know, but may have been doing was beating herself up for whatever she thought she did wrong. That's exactly and what she was doing. Attacking, instead of attacking, you're teaching her that you can swap it for speaking kindly and being forgiving towards yourself, which is way more 
empowering in the long term than just telling yourself you you screwed up and you don't deserve to be at the table with the superstars yeah and it's kind of like look you made a mistake admit it and let's move on because this whole sitting here like being all sulky about it isn't doing anything for anybody right it's making it's making like everybody <laughs> i didn't make a mistake and i don't even need to deal with it right. that's narcissistic but we're talking about people who are very willing to say i made a mistake and it does not mean the end of my career and it does not mean i won't have friends yeah and 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 sometimes you know there are these things called second chances Right. There are some components in life where you don't always get a second chance. And I think it's important for people to remember that. And that's why you have to think about what you do before you do it. Understand what exactly you're getting into before you get into it, because you don't want to end up in a scenario where you're like, well, why am I even here again? <laughs> I, completely I completely understand what you're saying, which is why I always offer the third tip. Do you uh, allow slightly inappropriate language on your show? Wonderful. So my third tip is pray for a shitstorm. <laughs> a lot of people who are listening uh, may not have bought all of the points uh, because a lot of superstars still believe so much and they have the power to just do their way through life. And it's like, I got this, I have all the answers, so why should I expect any help? But the truth is, if you do live your life that way consistently without minding your intention as you just offered, Ryan, a curveball is 100% going to come your way. There's a line in a great movie called Sliding Doors that I love where one character is warning another who's doing bad stuff that something ungoverned by you will happen and will disrupt that perfect life that you think you have so much under control. And I believe with all my heart that that is so, but I also believe that it's wonderful for you because the, as the ancient Greeks once said, you will suffer your way through this to wisdom because the understanding that this difficulty will serve you will completely transform your life. So I always say that the unimagined disruption will most likely happen <laughs> and is always a good thing. That's Murphy's law. What can happen will. Amen. You know, that, that's yeah. What can happen will. And you know what? How do you actually identify or define success if you've never been through a shitstorm? Like, how do you know? How do you know that you're doing a good job if you've never done a really bad job? That is exactly right. And no. instead of kicking and screaming and I am doing a good job and the world is not changing, you can just embrace the Yeah, know, let's just let's just fail our way to success. You're going to be okay. <laughs> no, I got to tell you a really funny story. Last week, uh, I speak for a living. I'm a motivational speaker in addition to a coach, and I do this every single week with very large audiences all over the world, all over the world. So last week, I somehow found myself in the living room of Olympia Dukakis. You know who she is? Mm -hmm. I do. Oscar-winning actress, Olympia Dukakis. She yep. won an Oscar for Moonstruck. She should have won an Oscar from Steel Magnolias. She's a genius. She's a legend. So she's sitting across from me, and I think this is so cute, Ryan. This is how, how much we buy our own Kool-Aid. I'm thinking I'm going to get up, and Olympia Dukakis is going to give me a standing ovation. She's going to say, my God, I have never heard anyone speak at this level before. I couldn't even make it through the first two sentences. She disliked what I was saying and my tone so much. She kept stopping me. She kept asking me what was up with my hands, why I was talking this way. And at one point she stops me and she says, this is an old lady. She's a woman of 90 years. Yeah. Of age. She says, sweetheart, I don't give a shit about what you're saying. <laughs> now I got skewered. 
And then I opened up and I asked her, could you be more specific? And she offered a lot of criticism, very valuable, from how my tone really was coming across as salesy, to how differently I could tell the story, to how I was really running through, I was reciting lines, right? And when we recite lines, we live in the next feeling because we're trying to you know, remember the line instead of staying in the moment. And I, I registered that. I didn't think, nah, I got this, I don't need this. I embraced that difficult experience and I got to tell you, I went home, I, I'm giving a TED talk next month, that's what I was rehearsing mm-hmm. and I, I performed it again for for my partner and our many, many pets and <laughs> my partner was kind enough to say, babe, that was 10 million times better. So you will do so much better to go through that shit storm and let it teach you something than to just say, nah, I'm better than this, I can just keep doing what I'm doing. No, you're you're a hundred percent. That's happened to me before on a, on a radio interview where I was like, "Hey, check out this latest episode that I did, and let me know your feedback." This was a couple of years ago, and uh, you know, this is a trusted resource, a host who's 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 been on, and I've been in broadcasting for twenty two years. Um, I, I assumed I knew what I was doing, um, and the email that I got back was kind of the same way. It was like, "Whoa, I never." I never even really thought about it from these perspectives before. And then I went back and I listened to like the last five or six episodes that I had completed. And I went, God damn, he's right. I gotta, I gotta do something a little bit different. And ever since I've made those adjustments and made those changes. And one of those was simply just to slow down. Right. I had a tendency to talk really fast and I want to get the information out. Right. And that tonality, you know, he's like, that doesn't resonate with people. He's like, you can follow along with that because your brain goes like 8 million miles an hour. Not everybody can keep up with that. Slow down. Uh, and so that was one of the best critiques I think I ever got as a, a, a as a person who talks to other people on just, you know, being able to slow down. And, and I had to, I had to step out of my comfort zone and allow that critique and, and say, hey, what do you think about this? And I'm thinking I'm going to get back. Oh, dude, you're doing great. It's a great job. And it was no, it was like seven things. It's like you need to do better here. You could do better here. You could do better here. And I'm going, why hasn't other people told me this before? And by the way, how generous of that soul to do that for you. Oh, yes. Him and I are going to dinner as soon as he comes to Phoenix. <laughs> That's a wonderful thing, and I hope we do too. When, um, when, when people believe that nothing is wrong with their life and no one can teach them anything different, they are shooting themselves in the foot. And in that case, I really do, with all my heart, pray for a shitstorm for them. Yeah, I always like to use this term right here. If you're not growing, you're dying. Dying, yeah. Right? You got to keep learning. You got to keep growing. You know, you'll never know anything. I am I am a jack of all trades, master of none. And I always want to, I also I always want to learn new trades. I don't need to be a master of one specific thing. I need to know about everything, right? The rule. The, you know, that's not, that's the funny thing about people. You know, I assess them for a living and they're always wrong about what they think uh, about themselves. Most people are. Most people have blind spots naturally. But one of the most interesting things is they, they don't identify the comfort zone and especially superstars because they're getting so many overt uh, prizes from these, they don't really self-examine and say, um, I'm actually miserable. But the truth is you can't cheat the universe. You know whether you feel miserable or not. And that's up to you. Yeah. You know you're not growing. Uh, anyone out there listening who thinks I got this and kind of has this pit in their stomach is very well aware of the fact that they don't got this. And that's okay too. That's 
okay. That's a great part. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> if you go into a situation and you don't have a pit in your stomach, if, if you don't have a little bit of fear that you may fail, then maybe you're not trying hard enough. Or maybe you're lying to yourself. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Karen. That's a pleasure. So I, uh, tell people where, where where can people find your TEDx talks, your social media, your website, all that kind of stuff. Give them uh, give them the lay of the land. Well, my TEDx talk is coming out on September seventh, which is the same day that you are going to go help the homeless. Congratulations for doing that. Uh, I am on k e r e n e l d a d dot com, Karen Eldad dot com, and my social is at Coach Karen. <laughs> There's only one other, and she's a soccer coach, so <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can distinguish between that. I'm on Facebook and oh, Instagram. I need to meet, I need to meet her. She probably give me some pointers. I've been coaching the five year olds for you know uh, my daughter does soccer. I need to meet co- the other coach Karen too. <laughs> coach Karen, but she's on Twitter, and I'm not on Twitter. That's the only medium that I don't care for. Yeah, I can agree with you. And it's not that I don't care for Twitter. I like it. It's cool. I just, I literally simply physically from a human nature perspective, I can't manage six different social media sites. I just don't do it. Yeah. I totally agree. I I keep it simple. I do Facebook and LinkedIn and that is all. And I might not even do Facebook anymore after I just watched the great hack. Really? You, oh yeah, I heard that. That was very good. Oh my goodness, that whole Cambridge Analytica thing. I watched that on Netflix. It blew my ever-loving mind. And I was going and people just freely gave that information up. All of it. No one no one even went to prison. But that's because none of us have uh the assumption that we're going to have a great hack. People are inherently good. That is true. That is very true. Let's hope that it ends up well for us. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you guys are tuned in to Finding Your Frequency right here on Voice America Variety Channel. I want to thank everybody for listening. You can check us out all over social media at Radio Ryan One, at Jeff Spinney Two, and of course our main Voice America account at Voice America TRN, TRN for Talk Radio Network. And uh, make sure you guys come back, listen to some more shows. Uh, there's three years of shows, so I hope you're binge watching the or binge listening to the show like uh, like Netflix. Please make sure to give us a five star rating because it's way better than four. Uh, we love your reviews. Send them any information on uh, any guests or any topics you'd like to cover to info at voiceamerica.com. And make sure you stay tuned right here to Finding Your Frequency on voiceamerica.com, the leader in live internet talk radio.